When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. We know that the world has stopped, but we haven't. So check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, reasonsports.com. The Miami Dolphins very busy in the first three days of free agency, and we've got everything up there, Alfredo Artiega, Josh Howitz, and others writing on the website about the Dolphins' moves. They've pretty much been the biggest players in free agency. And, of course, we'll have all your NBA updates, anything happens with MLB, MLS, or anything else. Also, check out our YouTube channel, the Five Reasons Sports YouTube channel. We're going to be picking that up quite a bit. We have a lot of content creators who are bored, and we're also going to bring in some others from the community. So we're going to be enlisting a lot of you. But for now, check out what our people are doing, and that's the Five Reasons Sports YouTube channel. We've already got a, a ton of subscribers there, and obviously we want to build this during the hiatus. Today's episode brought to you by the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can find Seltzer Mayberg at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day to handle all of your questions, whatever kind of law that you need to deal with. Yes, they are working during the hiatus. I spoke to uh, some of the lawyers there today, so they will certainly catch up with someone, whether it's on the website or whether they've directed you to an attorney. They handle personal injury, slip and fall, traffic tickets, immigration. We know the court systems are slow or stopped, but they're not going to stop forever. So if you've got an issue, check out the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm located right there in North Miami, just before the Golden Glades. First time today I can ever remember not being trafficked before the Golden Glades, right there in North Miami off of I-95. And then that's onecalllegal.com. And now today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor. A Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. Neither of my usual co-hosts are with me. They will be back with me tomorrow, Alex and Alf. They've assured me. But today I bring in one of the best NBA writers in the country and a friend, um, somebody I've known a long time, Jeff Zilgit. You can find him. At USA Today, he's been working as a national NBA writer, has handled the Eastern Conference, but also the entire league for a long time, and plugged into the league office in New York. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Ethan. Hope you're well. Yeah, I think as well as anybody can be this stage. Exactly, yeah. I think all of this. I think we're just trying to figure out we're providing content. I don't know. I don't know for, to what end, but, you know, it's, you know, we're, it's, it's sort of a strange situation. But that's why I wanted to bring you on tonight, because Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, who I think is by far the best commissioner currently working in sports and one of the best we've had in sports ever, actually, in terms of the way he's handled things, uh, 
he was with Rachel Nichols, a mutual friend of ours, on ESPN today uh, at about 7 o'clock. And I thought Rachel did an outstanding job with the interview because there were a lot of things I wanted to get to with you. And I think she covered a lot of it. So let's let's go through it. Um, I want to start with – we'll get to the testing and all of that. I know there are questions about that. But what what NBA fans really want to know, Jeff, is – does the NBA have any handle on, on how they're going to proceed with their season? And, and you and I were talking before we got on yep. that there was, there was one thing that Silver mentioned that was a little bit surprising. He, he said that, you know, again, he doesn't know where this is going. Nobody knows where this is going, although they were out front. And, again, we're going to get into that because uh, there would still be a lot of people out, I think, right now, what they are anyway, but even more if the NBA hadn't done what it did by shutting down the season. But he said basically there are three options that they're looking at and he did divide it into three. So clearly they're, they, they are looking at these three categories. One is fans in the building, which is business as usual. Two is no fans. And then the third one, which I, I never heard before, and you said you hadn't either, was some kind of a fundraiser where players compete, but not for their regular teams. And it's not going to be all of the players. And it's very self-contained thing. I mean, that, that, that first thing is the first time I've heard it. But second thing, Jeff, that's a complete departure. I mean, that basically means you're scrapping the season, right? Like, and I, I know, I know he was asked, you know, are you going to have awards? Are you going to have a champion? Rachel asked, and he said, you know, I'm not there yet. You know, maybe I'm in denial, but I'm not there yet. Had you ever heard that third idea? And what would that even look like in your eyes if they did that? So, Ethan, the best I could come up with it. No, I hadn't heard that idea. Is if you remember the lockout season in 2011. And, and I think even South Florida, I don't remember exactly where in Miami it was. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was the coach yeah, was uh, of the university down there. And they did that sort of mm-hmm. fundraiser game. Uh, you know, they brought players together. I think Kevin Hart was the yes. coach of one of the teams. And, and so that's what they were – that's sort of what I envisioned, but on a much larger scale at an NBA arena. That lockout year, none of the teams, the franchises could – you know, host the game with players at their arena. So I, I sort of see like a miniature all-star type game, maybe mm-hmm. no fans, uh, but to raise some money, maybe put it on pay-per-view. I, I don't know how they execute it uh, in that degree. Ethan, I think they could still do that, uh, you know, let's say in five weeks, mm-hmm. if everything calms down, six weeks, and then still have a season. So I don't mm-hmm. think the presence right. of that means we won't have a season but when we're talking the practical nature of season versus no season, um, look, if they're able to play, Ethan, and, and I don't know what this time frame is, starting in June, like mm-hmm. I, I don't envision a scenario in which they're going to bring thousands of people into an arena because you and I were texting the other day. The virus isn't going to be gone by then. People Correct. are still going to be carriers of it. And, and I just don't think when we talk about, we're hearing these phrases, you know, community spread. I don't think the NBA can just be bringing thousands of people, uh, 20,000 a night into an arena, uh, you know, city after city, night after night during the playoffs. And so if they resume, I envision a scenario and where at least it starts off with no fans. And where it goes from there, I don't know. And, and quite frankly, Ethan, you mentioned it. Adam Silver doesn't know either. No, he don't. says he's optimistic by nature. He would love to salvage the season for lots of reasons, for the fans. There are, and let's not be naive to the financial aspect mm-hmm. of this as well. Um, but as each day goes, and you and I, we probably are watching more news uh, than the average person on the regular basis, 
we're so we're really immersed in it now. It, it, it's hard listening and reading and doing your own reporting of seeing a situation where the NBA feels real comfortable restarting the season. Um, and, and you know, I, well, I put odds on it and you know, wager no. Uh, but it gets more and more difficult by the day seeing the season resume. Well, and he said something that I, th- I thought was interesting, and this plays into your idea that maybe there's something before something else, right? Because he said, you know, essentially they were the first out, right? And they may not have been out without the Rudy Gobert test. And he talked about that, that, you know, that was basically Oklahoma City uh, officials who tested the Jazz players. Without the Rudy Gobert test, because that happened Wednesday night. I was at a Heat game Wednesday night, uh, last yes. Wednesday. And, and this escalated quickly, extremely quickly. Like what I thought was going to happen over the span of one to two weeks happened basically over the span of one to two hours. Yes. <laughs> right? And so we all thought it was coming. I think when, you, when I went to that game on that Wednesday night, I drove down to the arena and it was emptier than usual, okay, and all this stuff was swirling around. I was like, this is probably the last game. But I didn't think it was going to happen before the fourth quarter. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, the Rudy Gobert thing, that forced the NBA's hand, but then Silver acted decisively. And everybody else, and I know we want to talk politics on this particular podcast, but everybody else, including the government, pretty much followed the NBA. And so, so basically they were first out. It sounds like he wants to be first in, but not in a risky way. First in, in terms of, he kept talking about providing entertainment for people. Um, and, and I think that is because I believe that Adam Silver is a legitimately good person, which I don't necessarily believe about a lot of commissioners. Um, I, I think that some of that is altruistic on his part, but you also hit on it. I mean, the playoffs are 25% roughly of NBA revenue. Um, and that doesn't even include the, the missed chunk, one, roughly a little less than one quarter of the season that's lost. So we're talking about a big chunk. We're talking about that affecting everything going forward, salary cap. And, and that's something else I want to talk to you about because we've had all these discussions about 2021 and everything. I think everything's going to change between this and China. So I, I just think he wants to provide something. Now, in your view, and again, he was asked about playoffs and regular season, does it even make sense? Is there a reason that you've heard why they would even play any regular season games? Because as I look at it, the standings are pretty much set in both conferences. The one seeds are set. I saw Michael Thompson said the Lakers should be awarded the championship. I guess he forgot the Bucks have the best record. Um, right. The one seeds are basically, basically set. The eight seeds are essentially set. I think the differences are like five games and three and a half games. And really the only seeding issues – are minimal. It's between the seven and the eight in the East, the five and the six in the East. I mean, that, that we're talking about within a game, right? Yes. And then in the West, I think there's those three teams that are very tight, right? Um, but I think if I'm correct, they're five, six, seven. So is there even any reason, what is the reason in your view? Cause I've heard differing things on this. What is the reason you would even play any regular season games? Is it a CBA issue? Is it a TV issue? But why not just start with the playoffs? I think, well, Ethan, starting with the playoffs is going to be like the the most logical reason. The only thing I'm hearing from coaches and front office executives is they would like some time to play some real games other than practices to sort of get used to NBA basketball again. Um, You know, considering we stopped on March 11th Mm -hmm. and let's say they don't play again until June, that's – what are we talking to Ethan two and a half months without competitive basketball? And right. now you're asking guys to jump in 
and all of a sudden play playoff basketball. You know how ugly, even for the NBA, early season games can be <laughs> because they walk through the preseason. Mm-hmm. The players weren't playing in games. There's there, there's that chemistry we talk about. That everyone's not on the same page. Now, again, I know it's a little different. They played 60 games. And so that portion of it, you know, they've had, you know, two-thirds or three-fourths of the season. But the bottom line is they, teams do want some games uh, to get that kind of competition, um, understand, you know, get back into playoff mode. Uh, as quickly as they can without having to start game one and say, have at it in a best of five or best of seven series. And also, Ethan, it wouldn't surprise me if they altered the playoff structure to do a best of five to accommodate well, I, that in the first round. I, I, I've heard that. I've heard the uh, strong possibility that even the first three rounds could be best of five and just do best, preserve the best of seven for the finals. I, that wouldn't stun me. I, I guess one question I would have is like, if you're not going to play the full regular season, bringing back, say, the Chicago Bulls to play four games just to provide tune-ups for other teams doesn't make a ton of sense, right? Like, I, I mean, I agree. Right, I mean, bringing back, I mean, uh, what, the, you know, some of the teams at the bottom of the conference right now, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, is. I mean, just to get Vince a couple more games, I mean, is there really any purpose to that? I, to me, it would make more sense, okay, they need some time to get in shape. Give them a 10-day training camp. Yes. You know, give them, give them a 10-day training camp sequestered. Let them scrimmage against each other. You might even, you know, allow them to bring their G League players back up uh, since they're not going to be working for And you get them some work too. And then you have a roster of 20 guys and you can play, you know, some legitimate five-on-five and rotate guys and get them back into something resembling game shape. I think that would make more sense than this idea of, okay, we're going to get everybody to 70. Now, one thing I'd heard, if you look at the standings right now, one of the reasons I thought you could just end it, is that the lockout season you mentioned was 66 games. Most teams right now are between 64 and 67. That's a representative yes. season. Yes. Um, but I had heard that there is a CBA issue, and you, you are better on the CBA than me, that every player has to have the opportunity to play as many games as, the, the play, as any player plays. In other words, if somebody plays 67 on Dallas, let's say, I don't know if anybody has, but they've played 67 games, that the other – teams would have to get to that certain number. I don't know if that's accurate, um, but I have heard that from a couple of different sources. So, you know, again, without me doing a thorough run through the CBA, uh, it's hard to know. But, I mean, I guess you could say everybody's going to get to 70. But, uh, again, I I just wonder this, the difficulties of scheduling that, you know, even though, you know, buildings are pretty much shut down now for a while and you should be able to do something with it. But the difficulties of scheduling that with travel, with everything else, to get teams to 70, to, like I said, have the Hawks and, and the Hornets and the Bulls, you know, play some meaningless games at the end of the year. I, I don't know. I would just 10-day training camp, let them bring up the G League players, and, and then we start. And, and you know, and, yeah, it's going to be unfair to somebody because three, to five, three out of five in the first round when you haven't played in a while is going to look bad. But I think we're getting to the point where things are taken away from people when, you know, you kind of – society is going to hit a rock bottom here. And it's sort of like I, I don't think there's going to be as many complaints about, well, this was unfair to this. It's just like they're playing basketball again. I mean, would you agree or are we so spoiled that there's still going to be complaints? No, there's not going to be complaints, Ethan. You're starting to hit on some good points about bringing teams back. Like, if you're on the Chicago Bulls, do you really want to come back for two to three games? No. And, and I think the thing that will be worked out – is and I think some of this is getting worked out is as long as players get paid I really don't think that there's going to be an issue 
And the other part of this, Ethan, and, and again, my memory is uh, a little fuzzy today, but a couple seasons ago, there was a game that was canceled, postponed, and it was never made up. Mm-hmm. And those two teams just played 81 games. Right. And it, it didn't have an impact on anything. Right. And, and so I, I don't think that that is going to be an issue. Uh, this is something that Adam Silver can work out with Michelle Roberts. Right. And for, for the greater good of the league, and Michelle is the executive director of the Players Union, they can get this figured out. And, and Ethan, you talked about real quick the, the teams that are tied right now. Mm-hmm. Look, w- let's just use the regular tiebreaker method that you use after 82 games. Mm-hmm. And let's say that, you know, that's how we figure out. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. If three teams are tied, let's just use that tiebreaker they use normally, and and we can come up with your eight playoff teams and seeds one through eight and go from there. Right. Like I I do think more people are going to be amenable to a lot of different things. Um, And and if they're not, they're going to be called out, Um, you know, and and I think it's going to look, look pretty awful if, if, you know, one team is squawking because they get stuck in the seven seed instead of the five seed. And like I said, there's, I mean, there's been a representative sample of games. Teams have had enough time. The one seeds and the eight seeds are set in that sense. It has set up about as well as it could. I guess, uh, you know, to, to be able to go forward with something. I want to get to a couple more things with you after the break. But before we do, I want to tell you about Doral Toyota. That's right. Doral Toyota is still open. And their website, of course, is open. DoralToyota.com. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary with below market prices on new and used vehicles. Five Reason Sports listeners will get a dedicated manager to work with. So when you call there, Go on the website even. Let them know five reasons sports. They've got over 1,500 new use, new and used cars to choose from, and it's easy to get to right off 826 and 836, a few blocks from International Mall. Again, we don't know if we're getting shut down, but if you ever want to go to Doral and not have to hit traffic, now's the time. In-house financing available for credit challenges, so visit DoralToyota.com for more details. The showroom is at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, in Doral. Also wanted to mention to everybody listening, um, again, we're going through a period, this is transitional for us too. We want to keep this thing afloat and we want to provide more content. If you're a business that wants to be with us, we just want to get you on board. So don't worry about the pricing. We will take care of it for you. Uh, But we want to get more sponsors on board and we want to promote your business during this difficult time. So reach out to me directly on the Twitter account at Five Reasons Sports. DM me, I'll get it, or send me an email at skolnick at fivereasonsports.com. All right, let's get to a couple more things here with you that, that I, again, I thought, I thought this was a good interview, and I thought Silver, Silver was very open in this. Um, he said very explicitly, if Rudy Gobert hadn't been tested, quote, we might have been playing for several more days. How much of this in terms of, because, again, the NBA was out front, right? NHL always takes its cues from the NBA, MLB always takes its cues from either NFL or NBA and the NFL really held off as long as it could, but doesn't have any games right now. So it was really just dealing with what they were going to do with the draft and free agency. So it didn't really involve fans except the draft experience. And, and, you know, they, they've shelved that, but how much of this with the NBA shutting down was just pure luck 
and how much of it was silver being sort of, you know, an executive, which I think this country could use right now, uh, you know, and, and actually acting on a situation. I, I, like, how, how do you evaluate what happened that night between Gobert, Oklahoma City, Utah, and all that stuff? So I think there's a couple of things at hand here, Ethan. And number one, when Adam suspended the season, to me, it was just out of necessity. But I also want to dig a little deeper here in that leading up and over that previous weekend, and I know March 6th and 7th right now, Ethan, seems like months and months ago um, in the timeline. But Adam was proactive in sending out memos to his teams instructing them to identify a testing facility for coronavirus, COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that those facilities could conduct a test if necessary. And so the NBA and each team had to report back to the NBA by the end of the day on March 10th. So think of that timeline, a day before the Rudy Gobert test. Mm-hmm. They had to report back to the NBA with where that facility is who their local infectious disease specialist is and have all that in order so that on the day that the jazz woke up and started to figure this out a week ago, that Rudy Gobert and the jazz knew where they could go take him for a test and get that going. That's Adam Silver's leadership right there and having people in place to make those calls and and to know and Earlier in the day, Ethan, they did have on that Wednesday, the Board of Governors meeting. And I know they, I don't want to use the word waffled, but they had two choices, to continue playing with fans or to continue playing without fans. And we know Golden State wasn't going to be able to play in front of fans because of a San Francisco ordinance or or government Mm -hmm. mandate of people, you know, no crowds more than a thousand and that kind of thing. But they did also discuss the idea of what happens if and when one of our players tests positive. Mm -hmm. And while, again, they didn't come to a definitive decision, the consensus was we are going to stop the league when that happens. And so all these things leading up to it were talked about. And and so it wasn't like they were flying blind and just making decisions on the fly. And that's where Adam gets a lot of credit. The NBA gets a lot of credit. But once that player got tested positive, you, you know, Adam wasn't in a position to say, well, let's keep playing. Uh, that was out of necessity. Yeah, but again, it shows you uh, the difference. Well, I don't want to say the difference, but the 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 importance of leadership and preparation. And yes, I, and and I do think it. You know, again, I think that that league is the gold standard, but in a lot of ways, it could be an example for our government um, <laughs> in terms of the way that things are handled. Um, so l- let's get to this next part. Uh, well, one more thing, and then testing. Uh, he hit on this. I, I know this is a hot button issue because again, the difference between rich and poor, and we're dealing with. Uh, you know, and famous and not famous and some comments that some actresses have made this week and all the rest of this stuff. Uh, But this idea of testing and why it is that the Brooklyn Nets can get tested. I think Silver said today, eight teams have been tested completely, everybody. Uh, And then specific players who are showing symptoms on other teams. And meanwhile, there are some states right now that I don't think 50 people have been tested total. And even the, you know, the the mayor of New York made an issue of this uh, in a tweet where, you know, why is it that all the Nets can get tested? I thought Sil- I mean, Silver's point to this, and tell me if I'm wrong, Silver's point to this is, is first thing, these are all private facilities. I, can you explain what his perspective, because I think, I think politically he's sensitive to this. Um, yes. I, and, and it was, I thought, one of the more uncomfortable answers for him because 
it is the only place I think where the NBA is getting criticized. They are. And so I'm going to tackle it or unpack it from this angle, Ethan. And this is from talking to infectious disease experts. And let's start off with this premise is that in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma State Department of Health made the decision to test those other 58 people after Rudy Gobert. And they called it a public health decision to do so. And what we're talking about here, this is we're going to bring up some, you know, definitions that you and I aren't used to, or words we're not used to talking about definitions, but NBA players and personnel are considered to be super spreaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're in close contact with each other, with opponents, their teammates. They're also in proximity of fans. They mm -hmm. are avid travelers. Now, they're not walking through O'Hare like you and I. Right. But they are still, you know, they're out and about. These planes are being used by, you know, each team does not have its own private plane. They're sharing them. Um, and, and so maybe one team used it. And it wasn't clean the best way. And so they're super spreaders. They're in contact. And the other phrase we've heard is trace contacting. We're not able to do that when NBA players don't even know half the people that they're meeting all the time. You know, they can't say they don't know their names. They don't know where they live. And, and so it's a, a comfort upon public health officials to have an understanding of right. exactly how many people are infected and the potential for a wider outbreak. And mm. so that's one aspect of it right there, Ethan. And, and, and again, I know people do get riled off about people who have it or don't aren't getting tested. But the bottom line is, is that these teams who have access to public testing are ultimately probably doing a public good by making sure. And Ethan, let's talk the net specifically. I'm mm -hmm. looking at the data today. New York is one of the states that's at the center of this outbreak. Mm -hmm. They have double the cases in New York City today than they did yesterday. Yep. The Nets play in New York City. Where they got it from? Where are they spreading it? I mean, it, it makes sense to help, and the word we use is mitigate uh, mm -hmm. at this point, because containment uh, is already out the door. And, and so it makes sense, Ethan, it's just at least in defense of what these private facilities are doing, is to get a handle on it. And, and I know people are angry, but the last part of it, I'm going to try to frame it this way, or at least I've been told to frame it this way. And you and I are hitting on these points a little bit. In a time of scarcity, when things are scarce, people get angry about not having something and wondering why this person has it. And the epidemiologist that I've been talking to, an infectious disease expert, he wants us to look at not who's getting tested, but why we don't have enough tests for everyone. Mm -hmm. And, and he, you know, he's got answers for that. You and I have answers for that. But let's ask our government officials why we weren't prepared to have tests for all the people that need to get tested. Um, that's a larger issue than who's getting tested. And when these people are getting tested, the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors, or at least the Raptors are on record as saying that no one is positive. Mm -hmm. Hey, now, we've know, now we know that the Raptors are not a, a super spreader of this. Right. And, you know, it, it's helping manage the disease. And that's probably the best answer I could give you. No, it's a great answer. And OKC came back clean too. And, you know, I, I've had, a, I've had a little bit of discomfort about reporters putting out there who has it uh, too. I, you know, I know Kevin Durant basically put it out himself. I, I felt kind of good when it was, when they said it was just four nets and then Tobias Harris actually applauded the reporters for not 
were divulging who the Nets were, and then Durant had basically told Yahoo, so or were one of the outlets, and so I was yeah, like, okay. it, it, Ethan, we just real quick on that point too. Yeah. I think look, look, at least the players we know who have come out: Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. and Kevin Durant. Um, we know those three. Another one has been named, but yes. uh, I, I also think it's because he's approved that okay. information getting out okay. there. Um, and, and there is the point that Mike Bass, who is a spokesperson for the NBA, a uh, high-level communications director, is he applauded the people who are coming out and, and because it's helping spread the message on what people should be doing to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. And so there are a couple different angles. Now, let me just address the nets. They are very particular, uh, both internally with their players, executives, and agents of players mm-hmm. on their team to limit that news if the player doesn't want it out there. Okay, well, that's fair. Uh, like It should be up to the player. Uh, yes. to, to me, we have teams that are protective of hangnails, and you know this is obviously a, a much bigger concern, and so I, I just don't want it getting out from somewhere else. All right, so that, all of that is, is great stuff, and I'm, I'm glad you explained the, explained the super spreaders thing because when Silver mentioned it, there's a lot that goes into it, but one of the things he mentioned, and I think you touched on too, is these are highly conditioned athletes. Uh, they are the least likely to be affected by it and and so in a sense that's a bad thing because many of them will have it and not know um and that's and that's one of the reasons that they're in the super spreader category so it, it wasn't meant as a pejorative by him towards the yes. players it, it was meant basically these are supremely conditioned athletes and and you know some some things just don't affect those guys the way that they might affect other people final thing here i really appreciate you taking the time on this uh i, I was thinking of all the things that are a shame. I mean, obviously there's much bigger issues than this, but just in the, in the, in the small little world of NBA basketball, things that are a shame if there is no season, some of the things that came to mind for me, Vince Carter, and I saw his press conference, you know, never, never really getting that final farewell off the court. Uh, Udonis Haslam down here, a strong possibility that UD finally hangs it up and he never got that one last, you know, corner jumper or rebound or something like that. And then to me, the big one, uh, you know, I made a light of this earlier is that, you know, this feels a little Montreal Expos to me. We had a franchise in Milwaukee that, uh, you know, was <laughs> about yes. to break through. And, and obviously, look, in Miami, we joke about it because, you know, we want Giannis down here. But one of the things that may factor into Giannis's decision in a couple of years is whether or not he's won a title. And they clearly had an opportunity, or still may, who knows, yes, yep. to win a title this year. And that may not happen now. Is there any other than those? Is there another one that jumps out to you that I'm not thinking of? Because the Bucks, Vince, and UD were three of the ones that jumped out to me. Well, look, Ethan, on a little bit smaller level, uh, I, I, I – no, look, I don't know. Well, I do sort of know who I'm voting for, but I still think the MVP race, Giannis mm-hmm. versus LeBron, was going to be compelling the final 20 games or 18 games of the season. And while he wasn't going to be my rookie of the year because of games played, I wanted to see 18 more games of Zion Williamson. Yeah. You, you know, and, and again, John Morant has played all season, so he's my rookie of the year. But, you know, we're not going to get a chance to see even the Pelicans see if they can't make a run mm-hmm. for the eighth seed. Uh, mm-hmm. in this final stretch. And, and so those are a couple of the things that uh, I'm probably going to miss as well. And, and, the, and the other thing that, that could play into this is there are other teams that may ultimately, again, small potatoes, but benefit from this. You could have a team like, if you come back in two months, Philadelphia could be healthy. Uh, that, that looks different than it's looked over the past uh, 
couple yes. of months and maybe they become a contender again. And, you know, other teams that have had, you know, sort of knickknack injuries that can kind of build the Clippers, Ethan. it. The Clippers, uh, the Clippers is yes. another one. Yeah. Yep. So I, so th- this will affect uh, teams in a, in a variety of different ways. And like you said, we came back from the lockout. We started on Christmas day. And I remember being in Dallas that day when the heat played, you know, against the Mavs after losing the title them the year before. And it just felt weird. It, it was bad basketball that day. And you're right. It, you're going to come back with bad basketball. There's no question if you come back at all, but we certainly want it. All right. Jeff Zilgit, obviously you can follow him on Twitter and follow his work at USA Today. Jeff, really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Hey, thanks, Ethan, for having me. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.